Welcome into Studio 2 on a Wednesday. I'm Cherry Gregg. And I'm Avi Wolfman Arendt. Cherry, you mm. and I and Dave Davies were talking yesterday yep. in the office mm-hmm. about development fights in Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. when the last time there was a development fight like the one we're seeing over the proposed 76ers arena, and we had to go back decades. Yeah. I mean, this is a rare moment. Mm-hmm where lots of constituencies are meeting in the middle and battling over a big-time proposal. If you haven't heard, the Sixers want to build an arena in the Market East section of Philadelphia. And today Mm -hmm. on the show, we're going to talk about it from a whole bunch of different angles. A lot of guests today. We've got WHYY's Aaron Moselle lined Mm -hmm. up. We've got council member Mark Squilla lined up because he has a lot of influence here. We're going to talk to Mohan Seishadri of the Save Chinatown Coalition. And we're going to talk with David Gould, who is a representative from the Sixers themselves. Yeah. If you want to get in on the conversation, and a lot of you do, because yeah. I've got like a three got pages like three of pages, emails And here. this doesn't even count Facebook oh and all of that. A lot of people feel very strongly about this. We're going to hear from you, and we're going to get your voices in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Studio 2 at WHYY.org is the email address. The number, as always, is 888-477-9499. Before we get there, Cherry, yeah. let's just tuck into a few headlines. Yeah, well, the one that caught my eye today, Mother Bethel AME Church in the historic section of Philadelphia called Society Hill. It was vandalized early Monday morning. Someone apparently, Avi, smashed several windows on the first floor of the building, including three of the historic, more than century old stained glass windows. Now, Senior Pastor Reverend Mark Kelly Tyler says that in the 16 years he's been the leader, they've had three to four acts of vandalism at the church. Philly Care, their chapter here, said that they believe there is a connection between that vandalism and Mother Bethel's activism. The church had just hosted an event last week calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. But Reverend Tyler believes that, like some of the other acts of vandalism, that it was pretty random. I'll say that it's it's definitely an act of hate, but short of having a note, short of having some graffiti sprayed, short of seeing someone actually do it, it's all speculation. And in the world that we live in, where tempers are already high enough, I don't know that we can assign it necessarily to a political agenda that just maybe fits and works for somebody else's narrative in this moment. And right now, uh, you know, Avi, the church is very focused on repairs. Damage is estimated up to around $30,000 because that 1800 stained glass windows they repair they require special craftsmanship to repair but you know folks have stepped up the community is rallying to raise that money and you know reverend tyler is is happy about the community support and if you don't know about mother bethel Mm -hmm. ame i would encourage you to do some research remarkable congregation um, basically the oldest of its kind Mm -hmm. dates back to the 1700s and is a landmark in this city you hate to see this. I know. For any building. Mm-hmm. But for this specific one with so much meaning and so much history, it, it does weigh heavy on the heart. And I, I hope that the community continues to step up and help them repair this damage. Yeah. So moving on to New Jersey here. Yeah, a little politics news mm-hmm. out of New Jersey. The upcoming governor's race, 2025, off your elections there in New Jersey. It's getting a little more crowded on yeah. the Democratic side. Newark Mayor Roz Baraka has signaled that he is likely to run. We already know that Stephen Sweeney, the former NJ mm-hmm. Senate president, in the race on the Democratic side. Steve Fulop, uh, Jersey City, 
in the race. But now it looks like the Newark mayor, Roz Baraka, is going to hop in. He is a really big name. Mm -hmm. And so it does shift the dynamic of this race. I'll also mention that if he wins, he would be the first ever black governor of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Pretty big deal. He's very charismatic. Only three mayors have been elected governor of New Jersey. The last was Jim McGreevy back in 2002. Um, Political observers, they say he could benefit from support in both Essex County and with black voters, which would distinguish him and make him stand out in what they believe will be a crowded field. And like you said, I mean, he's the third candidate to step to step up on the Democratic side, but there are more expected and it's probably going to be multiple folks on the Republican side as well. Yeah. And he's an interesting candidate. because yeah. Yes, he's the mayor of you know a somewhat large city, mm-hmm. certainly by New Jersey standards, a large city, Newark. Um, but he has more name recognition than just being the mayor. Yes. In yes, part yes, yeah. because, you know, his dad was Amiri Baraka. Mm hmm. The famed and controversial poet mm-hmm. um, and, and community activist and public intellectual. So the Baraka name has mm-hmm. been known in Jersey for a long time. And, you know, Roz Baraka made you got to shout this out. You got to shout. This he made out. a guest yeah. appearance on the famed album, The Score by mm-hmm. the New Jersey group, the Fugees and on the miseducation of Lauren Hill, who used to be a member of the Fugees. And so. He has been known for a long time. Yeah, and he was Jersey a school community. teacher back in the day. That was in the 90s, and, yeah. and so he's built that reputation. When ed- whenever someone steps into a race with that type of name recognition, mm-hmm. you take notice. It doesn't yeah. mean they're the favorite, but you take notice. Yeah, and by the way, he made this announcement at a Black History event. So that's sort of setting the scene, talking about telling his story. So uh, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch that uh, that governor's race in New Jersey. Also some interesting reaction recently to the new uniforms oh goodness that baseball players are going to be wearing this year in the MLB oh yeah apparently the players and the fans they don't like them I have I have I don't have a lot of opinion on them but but th- really? but they're really don't? I don't not on the MLB uniforms <laughs> but people kind of you know Nike I go to you redesigned. for my MLB uniform takes Jerry <laughs> but you're you a base enough? you're the baseball guy between okay. the two of us okay but you know they were redesigned by Nike for all the league's 30 teams but people like to be able to tailor you know their 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 team their team you know uh fits I guess mm-hmm. um and now you know they won't be able to do that I'm, I'm going to help you out here. So yeah. I think the issue is that they look a little flimsier and the print's smaller than the former uniforms. And so they look cheesy. Okay, They look cheesy. They don't look official. People buy the official jerseys at a very, very high cost because they're kind of lush and big and they sort of stand out. They, they stand out from everyday wear. And I think that the reaction to these uniforms is that they look cheap. And, and they still want, cost a they, lot. But you know what? I, I don't have a lot of jerseys. I know you don't have I'm a lot not of, a jersey guy, actually. But I'm they a, are expensive, and you don't want them to, to fade or, or feel cheap when you're spending lots of goo gobs of money for your team. Goo gobs of money. There is a Pennsylvania connection. <laughs> That's a technical connection. word, by the way. <laughs> there is a Pennsylvania connection, which is that the, the jerseys have long been made at a factory in Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, they're designed by Nike. But they're sort of licensed and produced by a company called Fanatics, which is owned by Michael Rubin, who is from this area, had a lot of former connections with the 76ers, was a co-owner of the team, is just sort of like one of these celebrity billionaires, and he happens to be from here. Mm -hmm. It does seem – a lot of people are blaming Fanatics for Mm -hmm. this snafu, this seeming snafu. It does seem, however – 
that Nike is probably to blame for the design and the way that they look, and that Fanatics is just the one sort of rolling them off the lines. Yeah, and they do look cheap because, I mean, the new trend is to have thinner, lighter, stretchier jerseys, and it's supposed to make the players feel, more comfortable. Yeah, more comfortable when they're out there in the heat running around. But, I don't want to be comfortable wearing But they're my like, jersey. look, man, I'm spending all this money for this jersey. <laughs> Bump comfort, okay? Speaking of money spent. <laughs> yes. The debate over the 76ers arena continues to heat up. The $1.3 billion proposal for a new mm-hmm. basketball arena on Market Street in Center City has plenty of supporters and detractors. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing from them. Yeah. We're spending the rest of our show today talking about it, getting different perspectives. Councilmember Mark Squilla, who represents the district where the arena could be built, will be here with us momentarily. We're also going to talk to Mohan Seishadri from the Safe Chinatown Coalition as well. We'll talk with the 76ers, David Gould, Chief Diversity and Impact Officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, which owns the Sixers, will also be here. But first, to get us all up to speed on the plan, the timeline, the stakeholders, is WHYY's own Aaron Mozell, who has been covering the arena controversy and is very well known to Studio 2. And also, friends, we want to hear from you. What do you think about the proposal? Will it be good for the city? Or bad. Keep sending in those emails. Again, our email is studio2 at whyy.org. Aaron, welcome back to Studio 2. Thanks for having me back. All right, Aaron. A lot of folks have a lot of opinions about this, but some don't know much. Mm. Remind us, where would this arena be built and by when? This arena would take over a third, roughly, of what is now the Fashion District Mall um, on Market Street, specifically the piece that runs between 10th and 11th Street. And that's, you know, maybe a a two-minute walk from Chinatown, basically. Uh, And the plan, everything goes well, is to have this done and open by 2031, which is when the Sixers lease expires at the Wells Fargo Center, which, if you've been to a Sixers game, you know is where they've been playing for the past... 20, 30 years. They've been leasing that arena from Comcast, correct? That's correct. And so let's go back. Um, rewind back and walk us through the timeline of when this proposal first came up and how we got here. Yeah, so the Sixers first announced this uh, over a year ago in July 22, um, said they wanted to build um, this billion dollar arena uh, between 10th and 11th. Um, And then since then, we've gotten a little bit more detail, but not a lot. Mm. So we have some sense of what the Sixers think this will do for the local economy, specifically in and around Market East, an area of the city that has struggled for decades, um, uh, you know, despite a lot of millions and millions of dollars in investment. Um, And the Sixers say that they need this stadium, want this stadium because, you know, they needed to have a competitive edge within the NBA. Um, and that it will also, as I said, have this economic impact. Um, the plan for the arena has remained largely the same. They've made some shifts, um, including most prominently, there's going to be a housing component at this point with a 400 some odd unit building that will be on top of the arena. Um, but otherwise we're sort of in this hurry up and wait, uh, period here where we're waiting for a couple of impact studies about how the arena will impact Mm. both the community and the economy. And we're also waiting uh, for the political process to start uh, because this project requires a number of of zoning 
pieces of zoning legislation uh, for construction to start. And what is that political process? Because at the end of the day, some people are going to make the decision, regardless of how many people have opinions about this. Who gets to make the decision and, and how is that decision made? So the really a lot of this rests on city council and specifically on city council member Mark Squilla, who leads the first district, which is where this arena is proposed to be. Um, and so it's up to him largely um, because of a practice that we have here in the city called councilmatic prerogative, wherein I'll simplify this, you know, <laughs> if there is a zoning decision to be made, uh, zoning legislation to be introduced, it needs to be introduced by the council member whose district it is, in this case, council member Squilla. So he needs to introduce what is expected to be a package of zoning uh, legislation that is needed for this project to start. And then Um, city council would have to vote on that package. And then city council would have to vote. Obviously, there's a bunch of steps before that. There will be a number of hearings where the public can weigh in. But ultimately, it starts with Mark Squilla introducing legislation and ends with his colleagues and him voting on that legislation. And as we get ready to wrap up, i got to ask you, I mean, besides council member Squilla, who are the main folks here and that could be instrumental in whether this arena moves forward or is no more. Yeah, there's a number of stakeholders here. Obviously, there's the residents who live nearby. There's Chinatown, who is roundly opposed. There's all kinds of um, other residents and businesses that are nearby. And then you have, you know, Comcast, who once would like the Sixers to stay at at Wells Fargo and continue that relationship. Um, You have the Sixers, obviously. And then you also have this new administration, the Parker administration, uh, which will also influence uh, things here, as well as, you know, some of the folks who have helped her get into office who support this project, like the building trades, um, who stand to benefit greatly from a billion dollar arena. Yeah. And do you see them as sort of the main, most powerful constituency in favor if sort of the residents are the main Mm -hmm. constituency against? Is the building trades kind of the main constituency for that isn't the Sixers itself? Yeah, I think that's fair to say at this point. Um, The folks are starting to come out and speak more publicly and starting Mm -hmm. to align themselves. So we have a sense of where some folks are, but there are still a lot of stakeholders that have not yet weighed in publicly. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and you think probably the next three six months? I know you don't yeah. want to commit to anything, when but will I mean, that legislative process. Yeah. When do you start? think the, legis- yeah. the legislative project process is expected to play out at some point this year? Um, the studies that I mentioned are supposed to precede that. There is no timeline for the release of those studies, so mm. it could be some months. You know, it could be spring. Yeah, and it's already been delayed a couple it's times. Already, oh, been delayed. already. Okay, right. so we'll see. Stay tuned. Thank you so much, Aaron Moselle. From WHYY's Plan Philly, thanks for being with us. You got it. And coming up, we will continue our conversation about the arena. Councilmember Mark Squilla is up next. Stick with us. Supporting WHYY Penn Medicine, helping to find new cures for cancer. With life-saving clinical trials and advanced surgical techniques, Penn Medicine is offering more hope for patients everywhere. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash cancer. Penn Medicine, what's next? Welcome. I'm back into Studio 2. I'm Cherry Gregg. Hello, I'm Avi wolfman Arendt, and we are continuing our conversation right now about the proposed 76ers arena known as 76 Place. 
Joining us now is Councilmember Mark Squilla, who represents District 1, which could be, would be home to the arena. He has been under a lot of pressure from all sides to block or approve that plan. Just how much influence does he have over whether or not it's built and how he is thinking about it? That's what we're going to talk to him about. Welcome into Studio 2, Councilmember Squilla. Can you hear me? Yep, yes, we can hear there you. you go. So, uh, Councilmember Squilla, I know everyone has been asking you, what is... What are your thoughts as far as this decision on 76th place at this moment in time? Sir, where do you stand? Yes, uh, we've been, you know, there's been a process laid out. We've been meeting with a lot of community stakeholders uh, with this process through the uh, 76th Development Corp uh, proposal. Uh, We've been, you know, lobbied by all sides of both for and against the arena. Uh, But our main focus is to make sure we have a full and transparent Are you with us, sir? Yes, I'm sorry. I lost you there. Uh, We have a a full process that people believe is transparent and open. Uh, So what we have done is after meeting with a lot of the stakeholders, their main request was to um, fully get studies that were done uh, that would look at both parking and traffic flow, congestion, also studies that would uh, talk about community impacts, uh, that would negatively impact the surrounding communities that are close by and economic impact studies that even to see, like, is the city uh, uh, have the ability to have two arenas? And mm. if they are, what would be the economic impacts on that? And these studies, um, we thought they were going to be done by before the end of the year, um, are still being done, which to me is, a, is okay. It's, it's a good sign that they're being thorough. Uh, but we're hearing that the studies will be done uh, sometime uh, maybe in March. Okay, uh, that's pretty we, soon. We heard, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we heard that, you know, we have heard that they were going to be done in, you know, November and then December and then February, but now we're hearing March. And <laughs> okay. so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take those studies. And I'm sure once we get those studies, it'll mm-hmm. even add some more questions and possible concerns uh, that we would need to look at uh, before just making a decision on how to move forward. Councilmember Squilla, what would you need to see mm-hmm. in those studies to convince you that legislation should be introduced? Well, I, I think it's it's probably three or four different things that we're looking at, right? One is, first of all, looking at all the concerns and listening to all the concerns we're hearing from the community stakeholders, including Chinatown, Washington Square West, you know, accepted, Jefferson Hospital, Running Terminal, the hotels that are immediately would be immediately beside them, East Market, Midtown Village, right? There's a, there's a whole bunch of, of stakeholders that we are meeting with and listening to what their their concerns or 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 what they believe are positive aspects to this proposal. But I think what the studies will end up showing us is an outside independent um, information that we could then combine. But what we're hearing already mm. and I and and what we need to hear is, you know, what those can we know anytime you put a proposal like this, it's going to impact the surrounding community. Um, and can we as a city put safeguards in place to protect the communities who may be negatively impacted mm-hmm. by this? And so whether it's an economic impact or whether it's a community impact, you know, can we say, all right, this traffic is going to be bad on these days, what can we do to alleviate that, right? Can you be specific about something that you would really need to see Mm -hmm. to say, like, I won't go forward unless I see X? 
Well, I, I, I don't know all the actual concerns yet, so I'm going to wait and hold that until we get the studies completed because there's probably going to be, like I said, more information that we gather from them. But I think that we have to make sure that we can preserve uh, the uh, quality of our Chinatown community and our Wash West community, which are the closest residents to that, and also be able to make sure that the adjoining businesses yeah. – uh, can can be able to thrive and, and succeed and grow. Our commercial corridor on Mar- East Market Street is struggling right now, yeah. right? And we, ha- and we have some challenges within uh, Chinatown and Wash West business-wise. Yeah. So we have to make sure that it could not only sustain that, but uplift it and to make it even a, a better place to be. Um, yeah. If we can't do that, then we can't move forward. And, and right? we got a couple emails. I just want to ask you a question or so. We got an email from Katie who says, in part, our city leaders are just going to go along with all of this. Councilman uh, Squilla has talked about mitigations. I want to hear someone saying this may not actually work instead of trying to cram a square peg into a round hole. We also got an email from Lindsay who says, I am confident that if this was put to a vote, it would be overwhelmingly rejected. So I want to ask you, I mean, how much uh, how much influence will you um, exert over this process versus allowing, you know, other members of, of council or even the mayor um, influence the outcome of this? Oh, it, it's going to be a, a full concerted effort from council and the administration. You know, we will not move forward without support of the administration, at least as far as introducing legislation, if that's a place that we get to. Um, once uh, legislation is introduced, it would be with in conjunction with the uh, mayor's office and the Parker administration. Um, but once it's even introduced, that doesn't guarantee that, you know, it will move forward because I had asked council president to make sure these hearings that we'll have once introduced, you have to have public hearings, that it will be held in the committee as a whole. That means every council member will be part of those committees. Every council member will be able to weigh in in that committee. And then every council member would vote whether to come out of that committee or not. So you're not going to say this is my decision and my decision alone. You are going to put this to the group. Absolutely not. Yeah, this is not only my decision. This is actually bigger than just me and my district. And this is a citywide project. Uh, But I do need to make sure that I represent the constituents, even though, like you said, one of the um, uh, people had said that, you know, they are. Uh, there's strong opposition to this. And, you know, somebody asked me, what percentage do you need to support it? And I want to say, listen, we know when we did the casino projects in the city of Philadelphia, there was zero support, for that, mm-hmm. right? Zero from the community. And so that project moved forward and it was able to then be developed. And then uh, things were put in place to help hopefully offset some of the negative impacts of the casino going in, into that community. And, um, you know, some of those things worked, right? We still learn from those and there's still some challenges that the community deals with, but, um, the same thing with the stadium districts down in, in South Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. They created a stadium district that has resources put into that district that don't only work during when there's events, but also work all year round. Yeah. Because some of the other challenges in, that we're even hearing from some of the business community is, all right, great, say this arena does get built, and they do have 100 events a year there, right? That means two-thirds of the year it's not operating. Right. Yeah, and how do you mitigate that? Yeah. Right. How do you mitigate that? Uh, are they going to activate Market Street to make sure it stays activated when the games aren't happening? You know, what happens to that Carter when there's no events there? Right. And that's just as important, too, that we need to look at as when there are events there and, and the negative impacts that may come from those events. So this is a bigger deal, and I think part of the issues and concerns 
Uh, we'll be dr- addressing some of the studies we have, considering all the other inputs we receive from the, the neighborhoods mm-hmm. and, and the businesses and the other stakeholders. But, um, you know, at some point, and I agree, some point this year, there will be a a decision made yeah. uh, to whether to introduce legislation or not. And that will come with the, the help of the uh, the administration and uh, our office and, and the council president's office. Fantastic. Thank you. That is Co- Council Member Mark Squilla, who represents Philadelphia's 1st District. Council Member, thank you for joining us today on Studio 2. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we want you to weigh in. Do you think this arena would be a boon for the city? Let us know. Email studio2 at org. And now we want to hear from one of the main opposition groups to the arena, the Save Chinatown Coalition, which is made up of Chinatown residents and other Asian-American community members. They're concerned that the arena would harm the vibrant Chinatown neighborhood and its businesses. Mohan Seishadri is the executive director of the Asian Pacific Islander Political Alliance and a member of the Save Chinatown Coalition. Welcome to Studio Two. Thanks so much for having me. So Mohan, uh, Save Chinatown Coalition has been very vocal uh, in its opposition to 76th Place. We want to give you a moment or two to lay out all the reasons why the coalition um, is against this arena. And I'll say the main reasons why. Absolutely. You know, I think it's important to understand that Chinatown has been around for 150 years at this point. For 150 years, it has been a center of culture and safety and shelter for our Asian American communities, not just the Chinese community, but all Asian American communities in Philly. And for that entire time, it has been under attack by developers, by builders and planners, the Vine Street Expressway. Um, you know, Councilmember Scuola referenced the casino, originally was planned to be put in Chinatown, the Philly Stadium. And so when we, when we look at projects that are in Chinatown that are at our doorstep, our leaders in Chinatown look incredibly critically at them and look at them with experience and expertise because they've seen and heard these promises before. So let's talk, let's talk about this project, though. Absolutely. Because some past projects Mm -hmm. have been direct displacement projects, Mm -hmm. knock down houses, divide communities with a road. They're saying here, we're just going to replace one third of a dying mall. No one's knocking down anyone's house. So what's the theory of how this project leads to the, you know, sort of the this this existential threat against Chinatown? Great question. For one thing, it's important to note that this is this this arena would be smack dab next to the first Chinatown business. It's not blocks away. It's not streets away. It is literally right next door. And you're talking about uh, a, an arena with a housing tower that is right next to a two story business. And we've looked at D.C. Chinatown. We've looked at Seattle. We've looked at other Chinatowns and other communities that arenas have moved into right next door to. And we've seen the same story. These things do not revitalize downtown areas in any meaningful way. And they do displace the surrounding area. They drive up uh, the the costs. They drive up the rent. They push communities out. And it's important well, to let, know. Let me that understand that they, they don't revitalize, but mm-hmm. they do displace. It seems like those two things would be at odds with each other. Help me understand that. The main thing is that they don't they don't create new money, right? Okay. In this case, mm-hmm. they would be moving money that is be currently being put into the stadium complex in, in South Philly. They're they're putting you know taxpayer spending, consumer spending that is currently being spent 
in South Philly, and it is simply moving it a little bit north. You know, we have an existing stadium complex. As Councilmember Squilla said, a lot of work has been put into bolstering that and, you know, renewing it and revitalizing that stadium complex. We're simply moving money from one box to another in a way that, given especially the track record and the history of the developers doing the project, we fundamentally believe will lead to the displacement of our community. Now, you know, you've criticized the Sixers and their approach Mm -hmm. to rolling out the arena proposal. Uh, What has been the relationship between Chinatown and the Sixers? How did they come to you with the idea and what's on the table Mm -hmm. as far as their view of benefits to Chinatown? I think the important thing to know is that for all of their claims of a robust and intentional community engagement project, they did not come to the Chinatown community before announcing this. Our community members and the vast majority of our community leaders found about found out about the project on the same day at the same time that the rest of the city did by press release. They simply rolled up and announced, we're going to do this thing. And then they rolled out a set of quote unquote community meetings that did not have language access that did not include all of our community members, where community leaders were encouraged to stay silent and not ask hard questions to show respect for guests in our community. Since then, uh, they have tried to sneak legislation through city council and unrelated parking bills. They've, you know, been... Uh, They've supposedly spent an enormous amount of money in dark money expenditures to back pro-arena candidates. They got caught uh, with an ethics violation for Mm -hmm. trying to hide. You're talking about the Jeff Brown case. Yes, yes. yes. And then trying to hide a million dollars in lobbying funds. And so they've spent some millions of dollars on lobbying. None of that has gone to intentional engagement with the Chinatown community. They've burned those bridges of trust with you. you Yeah, you feel like there is no trust between yourself. What, between, yeah. between, between the Chinatown community and the Sixers? I would say absolutely no trust whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And um, to emphasize, even when we have named that lack of trust and broken trust, they have not shown any desire whatsoever to rebuild that trust. They've simply spent money elsewhere in other communities targeting other legislators to get them on board instead. They made it clear they'd rather do an end run around our community rather than working and with us to try you. to make this work. Okay. I want to read a comment here from Robert who says, the issue about any new development is there's always opposing groups for whatever reason. You know, and you mentioned the stadium complex. When they wanted to build that, mm-hmm. uh, the Packer Park community was up in arms, said it would ruin the neighborhood. Packer Park looks pretty much today like it did back then. Um, you know, in 1973, when they wanted to build the Gallery Mall, Chinatown massively opposed. I'll, I'll read a quote here from the Inquirer from an activist. Uh, Chinatown presently threatened with virtual extinction by this urban renewal program, the Gallery Mall. 88, the convention center, uh, a PCDC spokesperson said, it's a fight for survival. These are things that got built, and yet Chinatown remains, as you mentioned, one of the most adaptable and resilient communities in all of Center City, Philadelphia. How would you convince someone who feels like this is a boy that cries wolf situation with with Chinatown, that any development is always going to lead to its extinction, and yet these apocalyptic sort of predictions never pan out? I think it's important to note, for example, you brought up the convention center, right? Um, That convention center displaced 200 Chinese elders who didn't speak English who were promised uh, alternate housing. Uh, when they were displaced from their affordable housing, those promises did not come through. It was the Chinatown community. For sure, for sure. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. suggesting there was no harm done for by sure. those projects, but the predictions mm-hmm. that they would lead to the extinction of Chinatown, which is what you're claiming here, mm-hmm. and this project's not going to displace anybody from their home. 
I want you to reckon with some of these predictions that have just not borne out that Chinatown has made in the past. I think we're especially concerned about, you know, this death by a thousand cut situation, Mm -hmm. because over the years, as you're mentioning, all of these uh, these projects have encroached and encroached and encroached. And the fact that Chinatown is incredibly resilient and vibrant and a testament to the strength of the Asian American community and its commitment to to keeping Chinatown vital shouldn't uh, be mistaken for this community could not get displaced. This community could not go away. And especially a project this size, we're talking six years of construction, even before the arena gets built, after multiple years of a, of a global pandemic that has seen targeted violence against our community, has made our elders afraid to walk the streets anywhere else, um, has made you know folks outside our community more reticent to go to Chinatown for various reasons. So we're, we're in a different situation than we were 40 years ago, 50 years ago, things like that. And just to say, um, you know, has the convention center uh, itself spelled the death now for Chinatown? Maybe not. But did any of the promises made by CSL, the same consultants who are doing these impact studies, were, were those borne out? Did it bring the money it promised to bring to Center City and to Philly yeah. writ large? No, it didn't. And I understand the mistrust because mm-hmm. we, whether it's Vine Street, whether yeah. it's the convention mm-hmm. center, whether it's even the gallery, I understand that. Um, but just can you drill down a little bit more? What is so different about this one that it's going to be the tipping point development when those ones were not? I think, again, for one thing, we're, we're coming out of, uh, you know, multiple years of a, a pandemic and targeted Asian violence that has Chinatown struggling. Um, and for all of the promises of uh, this, you know, this supporting Chinatown, this supporting Chi- uh, Chinatown businesses, we've seen a track record from these uh, de- developers in particular that these promises will not bear out. For example, in, in Camden with their training facility, they promised some hundreds of jobs to the local Camden community. And years later, they've only employed 11 Camden residents. And so we, we fundamentally think we look at their business model. We look at one of the develop what one of the developers did in West Philly. We look at what one of the developers did in to Hahnemann Hospital. We look at the track record of one of the developers' employer employers. Blackstone. So if it wasn't these guys, but it was another group of billionaires, you would maybe support the project. I think that if uh, those other you know even if the specs were entirely the same, I think that uh, we could talk about a different project in the area. We could talk about a different engagement process. But trust has been fundamentally broken. And it means that it, we, we fundamentally believe that the city especially should look at al- an alternate vision for Market East. And we're happy to partner with the city to make mm-hmm. that happen. We're happy to par- partner with these other stakeholders in the area to talk about what will actually sustain the local community. But, and you know, and that's reg- my follow-up question. Mm-hmm. And we only have a couple more minutes in this segment. But sort of what would go there? Because this section of the city, Market East, needs something. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's not helping Chinatown. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some would argue that if something was there, it could possibly um, assist, you know, and it's but but, so what would you like to see there? What would Chinatown be okay with? Because it seems like every proposal, there's a rejection. Mm -hmm. So I would say one thing is we want something that will sustain and bolster the local community. And right now there's this it's it's this zero sum black and white conversation, right, where it's either we build an arena or Market East goes bust in X number of years in the foreseeable future. We want to take take a step back, look at alternate proposals. We actually um, facilitated a bunch uh, and worked with uh, 
uh, design experts, urban planning experts at mm-hmm. Penn and Temple to have a, a, an event that drew 150 attendees a couple of weeks ago to actually look at what is an alternate vision for Market East. And they were talking parks. They were talking um, education centers, community centers, healthcare how, support, How realistic like is that, that, though? Because do you – well, I guess I'll ask it like this. Do you mm-hmm. feel some sense of urgency, though, with that stretch? Because the mall owner is in bankruptcy. Wanamaker's building mm-hmm. in receivership. Marshall's Target, Rite Aid, you can name them. Gone, gone, gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, under, I, I understand the appeal of those proposals. Are they mm-hmm. realistic in the timeline that Market East needs? For one thing, I'll name that a number of these proposals, they'll create construction, uh, that these alternate proposals that came out of that, that event that we did a couple weeks ago, they would be built so much faster than six years of construction. Really? They would also be so, that's my understanding, mm. that's my assumption, like it's just, it is easier to build a park than it is to build sure. an 18,000 seat arena, you know, things like that. If you have the money to do it. If you have the money to do it. And just to say, again, it's, it, it shouldn't be this zero-sum black and white, either we, we get an arena or we get nothing. So much money has already been poured into this area in, in terms of failed project after failed project. Let's it's, try something different now. Let's not look, just grasp at the most available lifeline being mm. peddled by folks who don't mm. actually have the interest of the community or the interest of Philadelphia at heart and are only looking to pad their bottom line. Let's take a really critical analytical look facilitated by the mayor's administration, by city council, and by actual design experts who are committed to supporting the local community, who are you know, both in Chinatown and Wash West, fundamentally opposed mm-hmm. to this project. Thank you so much. That is Mohan Seishadri, the executive director of the Asian Pacific Islander Political Alliance and a member of the Save Chinatown Coalition. Thank you for joining us today on Studio Two. Thanks so much for having me. And coming up, the 76ers get a chance to defend their proposal. We're talking with David Gould, chief diversity and impact officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. We'll be right back. Supporting WHYY, Penn Medicine, helping to find new cures for cancer. With life-saving clinical trials and advanced surgical techniques, Penn Medicine is offering more hope for patients everywhere. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash cancer. Penn Medicine, what's next? At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to Studio Two. I'm Avi Wolfman Aaron. I'm Cherry Gregg. So we have heard some of the arguments against the arena. Heard from a lot of you as well who have voiced your support or your opposition. Now we'll let the group proposing the arena make their case. With us in the studio is David Gould, Chief Diversity and Impact Officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, the 76ers parent company. David, welcome into Studio Two. Jerry, Avi, thank you so much for having me. All right, so I just want to start with the elephant in the room here, which is that we've got a ton of emails, a ton of emails, and Mm -hmm. I have to say the majority of them are opposed. Sure. Um, You could look at surveys from the Chinatown community. It's not close. I think the big question I have, David, is is given the strength of the pushback, why not just say, look, we proposed it. Let's just go somewhere else in the city where maybe we can all get on the same page. Why the insistence on this particular property, which does seem to engender just extreme amounts of pushback? Sure. Well, I think one thing to note is that 
for most sports venues and proposals, there's tends to be for whatever reason, probably because teams are very high profile, they, they tend to be controversial just by nature. Um, the other thing I would note is that um, while there are a lot of folks who have concerns about the project, there are also a lot of people who are supportive of the project. We have more than 35,000 people, um, Philadelphians, who have signed a, a petition in support of the project. Um, we've got a lot of supporters um, in the area as well as across the city. And so, um, look, it's a healthy debate. It's a big project. It's a big proposal that could transform really the trajectory of Market East. Um, and so I think all of the input and opinions are are welcomed and, and healthy and, and conversations we should be having. I think the biggest thing for us is making sure that people are basing their opinion based on fact, um, because there has been a lot of misinformation about our proposal and about the project that is circulated around. And so, you know, our goal is really just to listen to a lot of the concerns, um, uh, address where folks are not getting accurate information, and then adjust, um, uh, you know, what our proposal is based on a lot of the feedback that we've been getting so that we can develop a project that is going to be beneficial for the city as a whole. And so I just want to read a couple of the comments so sure. that you understand. An email from Andrew who says, the arena developers claim to care about neighborhood input, but I have not seen any outreach from acting from them acting in good faith and acting and actually asking for my thoughts. It seems like their definition of outreach is paid canvassers passing through my neighborhood every few weeks. Email from Ron says no credible data exists that shows positive economic benefits to the surrounding areas of major downtown arenas anywhere. So I want to give you a moment or two just to sure. sell this thing. Tell us what is so great about yeah. Market East and why the Sixers are so in love with making their arena happen right there. Sure. Yeah. So um, a couple of things. So as, as I think um, Aaron mentioned earlier on the segment, um, uh, the arena would be taking a third of the gallery, the, for those of us who grew up here, the gallery, <laughs> the, gallery, the right. Fashion District yep, Mall, yep, yep, um, yep. Uh, and, and putting an arena there. Um, there's a few reasons why we really like this site. One is its connectivity to public transit. It sits on top of Jefferson Station, which is the busiest hub um, uh, in all of the region. It connects to every single regional rail stop, as well as the Broad Street Line, the L, trolleys, as well as PACO. Um, and the other thing we really like about it is because it has the potential to revitalize an area of um, Center City that has really been um, struggling for a long time now. Um, you already mm-hmm. mentioned the financial challenges with the Mall Avi, um, but in addition to that, if you look at the south side of Market Street, so across from where we would be developing, 60 to 80 percent of those storefronts are vacant and, yeah. and boarded up. Um, this used to be the heart of commerce in Philadelphia. Market Street is called Market Street for a reason. It's the birthplace of the department store. We used to have nine department stores going up and down that corridor. Now we only have one, which is Macy's at 13th and, um, and Market, which is actually leaving in 2027. And that building, uh, the Wanamaker building, along with a lot of other buildings in Center City, are either already in foreclosure or receivership um, or on the brink of it. And so I think the question is, what can we do to create more investment downtown and revitalize it? And I'll give you one example for why I think this is um, something that should be really important for everybody across Philadelphia. Um, one of the groups that supports the project, which is probably not, not a group that folks would think, is SEIU32BJ. They are one of the largest unions in um, Philadelphia. They represent mostly black and brown working class workers, um, security guards, doormen and women, um, uh, janitors. They are supportive of the project, not necessarily because the arena is going to create a ton of jobs for their members, but because their members um, uh, – rely on jobs that are in these office buildings and residential towers in Center City. And in a post-COVID environment, when we're seeing these buildings empty out, they know that something needs to happen in order to save those jobs and making sure that we're shoring up um, economic opportunity for, for diverse Philadelphians across the city. Can I jump city. in, though, because I Please. get the idea of something needed to happen. Yeah. But the question is whether that something should be a sports arena. Because sure. as Ron mentioned in his comment, there's a lot of 
data from down the middle economists. I'm not talking about Karl Marx here. Yeah. Talk people who say that arenas simply do not spur economic development. So I get the idea that we want to revitalize this corridor. I think the question is whether an arena is the right project to do it. And it does seem like the median arena just doesn't have that amplifying effect. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So most of the studies that have been referenced, um, uh, they say that arenas and sports venues, like cities do not get the return on their investment in them, right? Um, those studies are predicated on cities or municipalities putting in public taxpayer right. money. You don't make your money those, back. You don't make your money back, right? Um, uh, the difference between this is we're not asking for any money from the city of Philadelphia. So there is zero investment from the city of Philadelphia. And then you also have the opportunity to revitalize an area in center city. So let me give you just another example that's really tangible that hopefully will resonate with listeners. Um, when, when somebody from Bucks County or Montgomery County um, uh, goes to a 76ers game right now, or South Jersey goes to a 76ers game, you know, we play in, in sort of like the middle of a sea of parking lots, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the, the South Philadelphia sports complex is. Those folks are coming in. They're probably driving to the game, going into the arena, enjoying the game, getting in their cars and going back home, right? But if they were in Center City, all of a sudden you have places where you can go to eat before a game, grab a drink after a game, spend money in the city, which not only supports small businesses, but also supports our local tax base. Um, the other thing I would mention is that we are actually one of the largest, if not the largest, market in all of the country that doesn't have two arenas. We had two arenas here at one point. We used to have the Spectrum and um, uh, the Wells Fargo Center before the Spectrum got too old and um, Comcast tore it down. Um, so we know that we actually can house two arenas and support two arenas. And we actually are very low on the list of the number of concerts and events that come to Philadelphia each year because there's simply not enough room in the Wells Fargo Center when you have Flyers games, you have Sixers games, and then you have other concerts and events. You're saying there's going to be like about 90 more events mm-hmm. than just basketball games per year at yeah, this at, new at, arena. At the arena, yeah. So, that's a lot. So overall for the, for the market, we think that Philadelphia conservatively will um, get an additional 50 events per year. So when we talk about a $1.5 billion um, net new tax revenue, so that's not money that's coming, that's being generated in South Philly and coming into Center City. That's new money for the city of Philadelphia. Um, that's predicated on additional shows coming here each year um, that, uh, that otherwise can't. And we know they can't because we also operate an arena up in Newark, New Jersey. And we talk to the promoters and they say, well, we can't go to Philadelphia because the dates you know, simply are not there. Comcast has really pushed back on that claim that there's all this surplus out there that Philly can capture. We would, we would say don't take our word for it. Talk to Feld Entertainment, which is the leading booker for you know, things like circus and family shows. Talk to Live Nation. Um, talk to Azoff, the Azoff Company, um, which is one of the biggest uh, promoters and bookers in the world. Um, they have all provided quotes, which we're happy to share, that say Philadelphia is underserved. We can't bring shows here because the dates simply are not available. And I want to talk about jobs a little bit because yeah. there's a lot of you know discussion. And, and we got an email from John and Sandra who said, no one talks about these year-long retail jobs that will disappear. But I, I want to also talk about Black-owned businesses Please. because um, not everybody's against the arena. Um, I know the, the Black clergy here in the city um, mm-hmm. supported, support, supports their arena. I also spoke with Regina Harrison, president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, and they support it. Uh, take a listen to this. This is an economic engine driver for black businesses in the city because the sisters has been vested in the African-American Chamber of Commerce to ensure that 40% of black businesses are identified and ready to take advantage of this opportunity and be successful. 
And so could you go into the details? What was promised to, to, to these groups uh, of black businesses um, that, that would happen for them if the arena is to move forward? Sure, yeah. So one big goal we have for this project is we, we truly want it to be the model for what economic ec- equitable economic development in Philadelphia should look like. We have stubborn legacy problems when it comes to poverty, um, uh, income inequality, and, and so on and so forth. And we see this as a vehicle to, to help address some of that. So um, one thing that we've committed to is making sure that the food and beverage operations in the arena reflect the racial diversity of our city. Um, uh, that means that because Philadelphia is roughly 40% African-American, 40% of those businesses um, should be black-owned. We also know that, unfortunately, black-owned businesses tend to be smaller, less capitalized. Um, uh, there are not a ton of black-owned businesses across the country who have experience operating in an arena. And so if we were to open the arena tomorrow, we would be very, very hard-pressed to meet that goal um, uh, just because businesses are not in a position to take advantage of the opportunity. What we're doing with the African-American Chamber of Commerce is to um, uh, we're, gonna, we're creating a $2 million fund, which is going to be focused on preparing businesses years ahead of time before the arena even opens so that we can make sure that businesses are in a position to be able to take advantage of the opportunity, move into the arena, um, uh, and, and create some of that benefit. And, and one thing I just, I just add to that is, that is just one commitment that we made with the African American Chamber. We are in constant conversations with stakeholders in Chinatown, despite what was said by by Mohan. We're and having that was going to be my follow up. Did you did you feel like you guys botched that with Chinatown? If you're doing this with the African American community, why not do something similar for for Chinatown? A- absolutely. So we we actually we we announced the project in July of um, uh, 2022. Um, we announced the partnership with the African American Chamber in March of 23. We spent that whole period of time almost exclusively focusing on Chinatown, meeting with different business owners, meeting with stakeholders, meeting with different community organizations, um, uh, and actually offering them a number of similar offers that we did to the African-American Chamber. The, the unfortunate reality is um, the dynamics in that community are very fraught right now. Um, I have regular conversations with folks in that community who I'm not going to say they're full-throated support for it, but they are open to it. They have some concerns. We're talking about how we can address them. But nobody wants to say that publicly because they're fearful that they'll become targets within their community and saying that they're selling out. So we worked and we are continuing to work with Chinatown to put together some of these um, uh, uh, benefits and commitments. But we also were not knowing that this is a project that could benefit the city as a whole. We're not going to wait indefinitely for one community and we'll we'll continue to work with them. Mm -hmm. None of these things are mutually exclusive. We also want to make sure we're benefiting the black community as well. Uh, We we do have to head out of here pretty soon. Sure. But uh, Annabelle is one of many commenters who brought Mm -hmm. up what happened in the District of Columbia. Yeah. Where the Wizards and Capitals, for folks who don't Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. put an arena in the heart of Chinatown. That Chinatown is basically non-existent anymore. I know it's not apples to apples. What was happening in that Chinatown at the time is different than what's happening at this in this Chinatown right now. And, of course, this arena will not be in Chinatown. That one was. Yeah. However, I mean, I think you have to try to address. That's a real fear right there. What happened to that D.C. Chinatown, which is basically mm-hmm. just a and Chinatown. Yeah. And, and now they want to pull out of that location yeah. and move to northern Virginia. Yeah. I mean, who's to say you guys won't do that in 20 or 30 sure. years? Sure. No, great, great question. A few things I just want to cover on that. One is, to your point, um, uh, the fears and concerns of a lot of folks um, uh, are genuine, and we understand that, which is why we're talking with them on a weekly basis and trying to understand how we can address what their concerns are, because we think that this is a project that could be good for the area and will be good for for the entire city. Um, what happened in D.C., to your point, is very different from what we're talking about here. That's a Chinatown that it's well documented, unfortunately, was 
heavily on the decline um, before that uh, that arena was even um, uh, contemplated or built. Um, it was built in the middle of Chinatown and using eminent domain and buying up private properties actively displaced folks. There was also very, very, very little mm. that was done to try to um, uh, maintain that community, which is the exact opposite of what we're trying okay. to do. We want everybody okay. uh, to benefit and, and thrive. Thank you for wrapping that up quickly. I do appreciate that. It's the voice of David Gould, Chief Diversity and Impact Officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. David, thank you for being with us today on Studio 2. Thank you. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for all the comments and emails. Our producers, Debbie Builder, Paige Murray Bessler, and Andreas Copes. Al Banks is our engineer from Studio 2 at WHRY in Philadelphia. I'm Cherry Gregg. I'm Avi Wolfman Aaron. We will be back tomorrow. We didn't have time to tell you I what know, tomorrow's show is going to be show. about. It's a good show. Trust us. And thank you again for all the engagement. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>